0: Was a lovely little Offenbach romp for a Friday. How are you, everybody? It's Chappy. It's uh, keep calm and cauliflower cheese. It's uh, celebratory. It's 60. We we, we reached 60 today. Uh, not quite in the level of uh, the Beatles when I'm 64, but almost. Uh, so you know, probably uh, stumbling around, uh, forgetting things in uh, in sort of misshapen tweed jackets potentially. Um, no sort of uh, no sort of bottom pinching or anything along those lines. Uh, but you know, we, we've reached the good age of 60 and um, you know probably time to give up the booze to save one's liver in terms of the podcast. but um, oh, it's 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 fabulous to be here. It's it's, it's bloody cold though. I mean it, it seriously is cold. it's it's too glove weather today, Too mask weather, two underpants weather. Um, thermal underwear long johns are on i mean you really need to you need everything but the kitchen sink today um you know russian hats are plenty. ear flaps down flaps down people and um, try to keep warm i mean walking the dogs this morning i don't know how they didn't get frostbite on the little paws i don't know how i didn't get frostbite on my little paws that's how uh, that's how frigid it is. I mean, we're in the middle of a polar vortex. I mean, that that sounds like the name of a rather fun cocktail, doesn't it? I mean, there would be a lot of ice involved, I imagine, a lot of shaking, a lot of stirring. Um, but here we are again, and uh, we have one podcast coming uh, coming tomorrow. Um, podcast today. So you know that's 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 really what we have you know for the for the you know for the balance of the weekend here, and uh, some of the things that we may or may not be talking about. Um, uh, number one, I have a goose problem. Uh, yeah I have a goose problem uh, we'll be talking about Long Johns we'll be talking about wax seals we're thinking about Valentine's Day this weekend but but what happened to the wax seal that that's a lovely way to to to, to, to um, you know, the adhesive for a for an envelope or a, or a love letter and something along those lines uh, also famed uh, old BBC blue Peter presenter uh, apparently when he was fired in 1998 was snorting cocaine off. Uh, some ancient reptile Uh, we'll be talking about that Uh, also uh, urinal or urinal etiquette Uh, I mean it's very important for us chaps but but I never thought about this before but in America there is urinal etiquette and um, I think that is important for everybody to know maybe you ladies can uh, cover your ears at this moment and also I got greetings on Instagram from a fairly esteemed figure who, um, who has lost his way and lost his reputation. And it's uh, sort of maybe slightly, slightly uneasy that I got a message from him this afternoon. Uh, also, um, icy eyelashes. Um, yeah, that happened today as well. Frozen eyelashes. Um, uh, also, why haven't we uh, given mosquitoes the COVID vaccine? Um, this is something that I was reading and did a bit of research and uh, many, many years ago, they tried something similar. Um, also, um, people who are uh, not good at this uh, new famed polyamory type of thing, um, you know, probably should steer away and have something a little bit more traditional with a nice cup of hot chocolate. Uh, also, um, you know, something I was thinking, that, you know, the, the, the English butler in me uh, was, uh, was thinking about, um, you know, how Scots can keep warm I mean, they're getting it much worse. I mean, we got the polar vortex here in Chicago, um, sorry, in in, uh, in Colorado, and um, and uh, the Scots have got no end of snow, like uh, oodles and oodles and oodles of snow, um, maybe f- ten foot of snow or something along those lines. Lots and lots of snow. They've had it in my uh, in the old county of Norfolk where I was brought up, uh, probably about five or six inches. No snow here. But uh, as I said, um, you need to find something to warm the, the the cockles of one heart. Uh, you know, over the course of the uh, the weekend, when literally it will be uh, brass monkeys, uh, fat-free ice cream that tastes like the real thing. Um, also, my uh, my lovely uh, snaggletooth uh, pirate of a dog, uh, uh, Lord Jockey, um, and uh, cricket. It's like rounders with tea and sarnies. Uh, that's what uh, uh, Giles Corran says anyway. Uh, The snowy woods are full of drama and indeed secrets. Uh, The perfect recipe is dinner for one with no leftovers apparently. Uh, The uh, Bordeaux uh, wine industry hits back with balloons that turn hail into harmless rain. That sounds absolutely fantastic. Uh, Maybe looking at some of the best hot chocolate as well. I I saw something where they were using actual chocolate flakes to make hot chocolate. But I think we'll be delving into maybe the best hot chocolate uh, chocolate over the next uh, couple of uh, days, either this podcast or tomorrow's. Uh, Lockdown Fashion, a changing room tailored for you. Uh, Chef Tommy Banks releases a £140 Michelin star takeaway for Valentine's Day. Uh, also some trumple trombone, uh, where we look at some of the bloody awful headlines of the week and seeing if it's worth a, a wah-wah trombone or a raspy sort of trump. Um, uh, Weetabix. So that's, a, that's an English uh, cereal, and um, people have been putting baked beans on it. Baked beans for breakfast. Now, are, are they buttering the Wheatabix here? Uh, we'll be looking at that as well, and um, Jamie Lee Curtis has, has uh, put popcorn in her ear instead of an earbud. Apparently, absolutely uh, fantastic stuff. So, as always, we're uh, hitting the top news. Really, uh, it's almost like CNN this podcast, without a doubt. And that's Chappy, and it's Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese, number sixty. So, people asking me, you know, casing, you know, London's such a big city. How do you remember which stop to take um, on the London Underground? Now I, I always refer them to Orpheus in the Underground, um, little Offenbach tribute, as I said earlier. Um, but you know that's that's how I remember, and I do like to dress uh, in sort of French um, uh, wine uh, wine bar uh, pin-up boutique when I'm uh, when I'm on the Underground. So lots of frills. Uh, lots of garter belts and uh, lots of pom-poms and lots of high leg kicking. Uh, that's when I'm not dressed as the typical uh, uh, Butler sort of uniform with the bowler hat, but sometimes I do do the French boutique pin-up with the bowler hat as well uh, but this is a great way of uh, learning um, the London Underground in a, a, you know, some people learn visually and uh, some people do learn um, with with song and dance and I'm one of them. I need some musical theater to learn anything. I mean, that's how, uh, you know, at university probably why I didn't do so well and why I am a humble butler now is that I uh, memorized everything not by mind mapping but by musical theatre. I mean, that, that's, that's the absolute key, I think, when it comes to uh, jogging one's memory. You know, re- remembering how much butter to put on one's toast, how long to dip the tea bag into the water. All of this is very important, and also how to uh, memorize all the stops on the London Underground, thanks to Orpheus. Okay, so I probably lost every possible listener uh, that I had, Um, but all the best Scottish Gritter names for 2020 and how to track them. Scotland's been naming its fleet of Gritters for more than 14 years now, and they've become known over the world ever since. Um, So over the last few days, as I said, heavy snowfall across Scotland, uh... I I did say 10 foot, 10 centimetres of snow has fallen in some areas of Scotland, north and east of Scotland, bearing the brunt of it. most. Temperatures have remained low in recent days with the thermostat struggling at 10 degrees Celsius. Look, it was... I, I had four degrees Fahrenheit this morning. I don't know why they're complaining. Absolutely, absolutely horrendous. That's what they say, absolutely horrendous traffic. So fleets of gritters have been dumping their loads across <laughs> Scotland to ensure the drivers remain safe on their roads. Traffic Scotland said the current Winter Fleet consists of 213 vehicles. A whopping 119 vehicles can be deployed at one time to treat Scotland's roads during the most severe weather conditions. Scots have been famed for give, giving their gritters hilarious pundil name, these are the salt trucks, because we can't simply let them strut their stuff with boring generic ones, definitely. Uh, so, Transport Scotland kicked off the trend in 2006 when it asked primary school pupils to provide the most inventive names. Um, so, th- this is this is what we have in 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 terms of some of the most. This is one of the, you know, this is one of the best I think here. So, one of the Scot Scotland's uh, gritter trucks was called "Hats off to Freddie Mercury, I want to break freeze. Um, obviously. Uh, uh, Self-start on, uh, on, uh, on 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 the Mercury, and uh, then we have yes sir uh, Ice Kambougi. That was the name of another one, um, and also uh, cartoon styly now Penelope Grit Stop. It uh, was another one, uh, and then uh, Sir Salter Scott. Um, then um, oh, it's very topical at the moment. Uh, Britney Spears and um and then uh, and then going back to uh, you know the Queen uh, not not her Majesty obviously uh, freddy Freddie we've got spready Mercury uh, and then uh, gritty gritty bang bang uh, gritta Thunberg uh, probably a little bit more environmentally friendly that truck I would think um, Mr. Plow uh, and then uh, of course you know we, crap could we escape without a Star Wars Darth. Spreader, um, and then uh, Paolo Grittini, uh, we have as well, um, Louis a more sort of indie music, Grittle Mix, um, Grits and Pieces, absolutely, uh, oh, that's, that's absolutely tremendous Chopper. Oh, tremendous choppy. So, there we go, we have some of the, gr- um, I think, Britney Spears is possibly my favourite, and if I haven't lost you all with the bagpipes, there may be a little bit of uh, Scottish um, sword dancing later on on the show. So I mean, probably not the best time when we're in the middle of a polar vortex to be talking about ice cream, although I did see in the newspaper the other day there were children in Scotland, believe it or not, actually uh, lining up for uh, uh, Mr Whippy ice cream. Um, anyway, so fat-free ice cream that tastes like the real thing. For the ice cream purist, the notion of a low-calorie scoop that tastes as good as the real thing has long been dismissed as a marketing myth. Connoisseurs say that fat-free equals flavor-free, but uh, thousands of experiments and taste tests. Uh, a company believes that it has created the holy grail of desserts: a fat-free ice cream that tastes like the real thing there have been uh, many low or non-fat cr- ice creams over the years but most have struggled to capture the creamy texture uh but uh is it lube foods or love f- well i hope it's Lub foods not lube foods but i don't know if i'd want uh i don't know if i want ice cream that was you know t- tastes like some sort of uh sticky sort of lubricant i mean that would be uh, i mean i guess it could you could it could be a double bonus i suppose you could take the ice cream on the Valentine's weekend into the boudoir. Um, But, um, yeah, I I don't think it would... um I don't think it would get my taste t- taste buds tingling. Um, maybe other areas, but they're not the taste buds. Um, so the Swedish company claims to achieve it by using uh, epigee fat, or EPG. This is a plant-based oil with molecular structure engineered so that our digestive enzymes are uh, unable to break it down and none can be absorbed by the body. They should make all food like this, shouldn't they? It uh, cut up to 92% of calories for each unit of fat. Our trick has been making epigee fat taste like dairy. Why have I never heard this before? could you have epigee chocolate investors have uh, already poured millions of dollars into the startup and uh, i'm going to call it lube foods recently raised 30 million dollars from companies including galsbang invest an early investor in oatly the vegan milk powder sales in the us of the ice cream which launched under the subsidiary of nix foods last year amounted to 10 million uh, and the brand been, uh, and the brand has been eating it into the market share in sweden as well Britons are going to have to wait though um, because the european food safety authority regulated food in the UK has not approved EPG. Well, if I can get it in the US, I'm going to go and find myself some EPG. Now, I wonder if they do a Rocky Road EPG. They can't, surely, but there's so many calories in the in the lovely fluffy marshmallow and the nuttiness and the chocolate. I mean, I mean, that just can't happen. So I'm going all Scottish today, or, or sort of hybrid Scottish, I suppose um but there we go i mean it sounds absolutely uh fantastic um but uh you know for the taste test uh let's say there's a pint on the uh, table of uh, swedish uh is one of the only two left in the three so this is what the the writer on the and the times article uh and then uh and then and then beneath the lid there's the the swedish cram your heart out it says The ice cream beneath looks like a mousse, fresh out of the freezer. It's not hard like ice cream, but spongy if you press on it with your spoon. It slowly springs back like the rubber they used in toddlers' playgrounds. Um, And then um, apparently uh, the writers' other half is Americans deeply suspicious of this spongy ice cream. Um, you know, it it looks like there's a fanfare of the fat replacement called Alestra, which turns out to have side effects such as spotting and anal leakage. Hmm, anyway, um, so it's sort of moosey, I guess. I mean, I'm going to have to do a taste test on this. I may have to do a taste test on the podcast in the next couple of weeks for this ice cream and just see what we think. Because, I mean, it could be an absolute game changer. If you're eating ice cream and 92% of the fat's taken out, it could be uh it could be absolutely tremendous oh what what life thank you thank you thank you so much oh thank you uncle oh uncle, oh, uncle. so here we go so giles coroner was writing in the times i do like coroner he's pretty controversial sometimes but cricket it's like rounders with t and sarnies so i had to explain the other day firstly what rounders is it's, Sort of a form of softball i suppose but it's not a, it's it's sort of underarm too i think but also what sarnies were um obviously sandwiches i mean why can't the americans equate that sarnies would even mean sandwiches uh with nothing to do at home except eat and bake it's a perfect time to have a proper sport back on terrestrial tv in the uk and that's what the cricket was on is back on channel four which is uh, uh, free to air television uh, so Test Match Cricket back on terrestrial t- uh, TV for the first time since 2005 uh, an absence that many have blamed for the decline in the sports popularity although billions are still actually watching the sport, Giles um, but Giles says after 16 year hiatus that few people under 25 will ever seen a game of cricket on uh, free to air television before uh, what? what are you talking about? so it's not it's, it's not a grasshopper don't be silly you know, our American friends cricket is the oldest and noblest of ball sports, a marathon endeavour first codified at Hambledon, lovely pub there, in uh, pre-lapsarian times when giants walked the earth, a source of metaphors applicable to every facet of our existence, a game where uh, analogies to life itself, which it's not like rounders, it's not like softball, Um, but um, people are tuning in. So if a test mat cricket were a carry-on film or some sort of hilarious phallic sponge cake on Celebrity Bake Off, um, you've never seen never seen either, or many people would never seen either, um, or, or never sort of closed your eyes or inhaled the polished armchair smell of a new cherry, or uh, heard, heard it zip past uh, one's ear, past its ear to silly point uh, through the warm air of early May. So the main thing to know about cricket, and this is to, you know, our, our, some of our American friends here, uh, is that the match takes five days to play. Now, uh, it's all very well and good in the 19th century and for much of the 20th when people had more time on their hands uh, and with much longer attention spans uh, on the account of all the massive Victorian novels they had to read and the boring church services, etc. But uh, with the rise of television football, uh, pot noodles and the internet, people's ability to concentrate anything longer than a beer commercial declined desperately and as a result cricket fell into uh, disrepair it wasn't anything to do with sky tv it was everybody uh, everybody became too busy to make time for cricket and too dim to understand it uh, but here we are now lockdown's perfect uh, perfect for watching cricket better still a cricket match is built around meals in recent years people have been barely able to comprehend a sporting contest that stops for lunch and tea but in the world like now uh, you know, we look forward you know, constantly for lunch and tea um, and, and we yearn for some sort of detra- uh, d- uh, distraction in between. And this is what cricket is. Uh, as, as for the ladies and gentlemen of leisure whom it was first intended, uh, you've breaked all your banana bread now. Uh, you just need an occasion at which to serve it to 22 people. And, the form and and also some delicious sandwiches to go with the sourdough and banana bread. And that's what we have for cricket. You know, it's it's perfect. As I said, it'll keep us occupied, uh, you know, for, for for the between the meal times, basically. That, that That's what cricket is. You can have a little bit of a snooze as well and you don't miss very much. Um, it's played at a sort of a, the test cricket, often at a pedestrian pace. But it is absolutely... Wonderful! It's it's mental chewing gum in, in some ways, and it's also incredibly exciting. I mean, these these guys are, uh, are bowling or, in American terms, pitching the ball um, much faster than uh, than than many many other sports than any living human being. So, it's it's a wonderful game. It's an absolute delight. Uh, it's it's a good excuse also for for the, me, Chappie, to, um, to have a little nap in the afternoon. Because, you know, the cricket US time starting at 9 o'clock. Perfect for a little afternoon nap. To prepare one, uh, you know, to, to plough forward through the night uh, watching, uh, watching the glorious uh, Lever and Willow game. And uh, that's, that's what we have. And, I mean, I have taught cricket to a Japanese chap before. Um, and and, I, and I, if any American has the patience or the time, I'd love to teach them the wonders of cricket. So, I mean, all this cricket talk and an impending Test match tonight. Um, England won up in the series. All my lovely Indian friends. Um, I think it's going to be different. I think it's going to be a bunsen burner. It's going to be a raging Turner tonight. So, I think I, I think I'm going to have to on some of these podcasts do sort of a little bit of cricket education, but. I'm sort of thinking, I mean, I'm you know, trying to plough through the night, as I said, watching uh, uh, watching from Chennai, uh, England, India, five, five days ahead. Um, you know, but I, I'm a disciplined chap. Um, I mean, I don't, uh, would, would cricket ever interfere with Valentine activities, one would ask. Well, that's what the subtle earpiece is for. You know, just pop it in the air, grow your hair a little longer, and you can you can listen in. You know. Also maybe the iPhone Mini You know, you could discreetly sort of prop it up on a pillow or at dinner or something and, you know, hide it behind a bouquet of flowers potentially. So I mean, these are all good things. But I'm thinking about Indian food. I mean, I've got a taste for it tonight. I mean, I do like pizza on a Friday night sometimes. But tonight, I'm thinking... The samosa. I mean, I think when the Egyptians wanted to be buried with all their possessions, I I, I mean, I see the same with samosa. And I've talked about this before, you know, on an earlier podcast. I think the first podcast, Mummified in Bacon. I think if I could be mummified in bacon, I, I, I might want to be inside a samosa with some of my belongings probably an earpiece so I could listen to the cricket from inside the samosa and maybe with some minced lamb well you know what I don't mind I, I can go potato based plant based I'll do potato I'll do mashed potato and spices very well seasoned inside the samosa and I'd gladly nibble away whilst listening to the cricket inside my p- samosa sarcophagus Let's put it that way. Um, I do need a vindaloo as well. I mean, I'm talking about maybe drink a lot of tea to stay tonight. But if I have incredibly spicy vindaloo, I I won't be going to sleep. So it'll keep me. It'll allow me to watch and observe the cricket through through the night, through into the wee hours when it's probably uh, probably down to zero degrees Fahrenheit tonight. So the so the vindaloo in that sense is, is very warming as well. It's going to warm, warm, warm the cockles, warm everything. I think, and the naan bread. I mean, I like a plain, love a buttery naan, but love the love the minced lamb rolled into it. I mean that that's an absolute delight. Um, but I, I think that is the order of the day today. I mean, I do miss some of my favorite English curry restaurants but you know what here in Colorado there are some tremendous Indian restaurants and um, and I've had some absolute great uh, doses I've had some great tikka I've had some great Rogan Josh Um, the breads are amazing and as I said the samosa I think on my last meal my last supper I would go for the samosa as i said not only my last supper i want to be inside the samosa as i die seal it up pinch pinch that baby up crimp that baby up i'm inside there and i'm enjoying the either the, the lamb or the or the potato one of the two Give, you know leave me there don't even worry about the chutney dipping sauces i'll have a bath in chutney before i go inside the samosa that's what's going to happen but there we go that's my night sorted out i'm incredibly hungry now not quite hangry i think i can continue the podcast so don't worry so the uh, bbc presenter richard bacon denies uh, denies snorting cocaine off his blue peter tortoise uh, as he talked about his 1998 sacking so richard bacon's a, a, a presenter he lives out in the u.s now uh, was with the bbc was on the radio Uh, But he's addressed his 1998 exit from Blue Peter during the appearance on a new TV show, Unforgivable. Uh, TV radio presenter Bacon had to explain why he left Blue Peter. Um, I mean, he was the 24th presenter of the Blue Peter children's television show. And he was asked, uh, uh, you know, what happened? Uh, He said, I got fired for punctuality. Uh, Because if you take a lot of cocaine, uh, you're always late for things. Um, following the dismissal, rumours circulated snorted cocaine off the back of one of the tortoises that appeared on Blue Peter. Do you remember Fred and Frieda the tortoises on Blue Peter? Uh, big white lions, uh, said the presenter. Uh, you know, he, he basically, I mean, I, from what I understand, he, uh, he, uh, he gave them, uh, you know, he, he put the cocaine um, on the tortoises' back. He didn't feed the cocaine to the to the tortoises, uh, but he got fired for, uh, for you know, for snorting cocaine off these noble, hard-shelled, reptilian creatures. Um, but it made me think, though. I mean, you, you know, these tortoises, they, I mean, they live for 300 years. So I'm wondering if, like, Captain Cook or Abe Lincoln or George III ever snorted cocaine. I mean, I don't think they processed cocaine in that time. But maybe some sort of hallucinogenic snuff or something off the tortoise's back. Maybe, maybe the tortoise has been a receptacle for, you know, drugs and uh, and, uh, and, and and hedonistic partying for 300 years. I mean, that's maybe maybe they're an ancient uh, may- maybe an ancient sort of hedonistic tool. I mean, but I mean, just think the poor tortoise. I mean, if they if they got any of the cocaine, would they move any faster? I mean, the, the the key with the tortoise is the slow heartbeat, and that's why they live for so long. I mean, they live, as I said, for 300 years. So who knows what sort of shenanigans the humble uh, hard hellshard friend has seen over the years, um, including blue Peter presenters snorting the white stuff off their backs, and um, you know, and, and, and possibly, as I said, George III. Maybe that's what he maybe had a had a had a whole uh, quartet of tortoises. And um he was he was you know, sniffing the uh sniffing the, the, the uh cerebral snuff off off of the tortoise's back or something along those lines, you know. Who knows? But uh they they uh, sort of are an eyepiece to history, I think. An eyepiece to the human shenanigans of the past. Oh love, I thought uh enigmatic English eccentric. So we're running out of English eccentrics. Well, I mean, maybe I need to do some more steady research over the years here. And maybe some of the eccentric activities of the English sure, is how we're going to be moving forward. But we do have Sir George Sitwell. Uh, and I've, I've repeated, I suppose I have repeated I haven't had Sitwell before. That would be absolutely terrible. absolutely awful to, to repeat. So anyway, George Sitwell was not only an eccentric himself, but he was the father of eccentrics. Edith Sitwell was his daughter. A sign on the family house warned any guests I must ask anyone on entering the house never to contradict me or dither from me in any way, as it interferes with the function of my gastric juices and prevents me from sleeping at night. Uh, Sir George was an inventor. He created a miniature pistol for shooting wasps out of the air. A further invention was a musical toothbrush. Uh, His greatest invention was an egg made of smoked meat and rice and covered in chemical lime for travellers to carry with them. None of these inventions ever took off. Sir George was a key medievalist and uh, liked to keep his home in the style of the 14th century. While tolerable at home, this led to problems for his children. He tried to pay school fees to produce uh, from his farm and gave them pocket money calculated from 14th century currency. Now, I'm not obsessed with sea shanties, but I, I honestly think that my dog, Jack, or Lord Jockey as I, I know him as now, he's a snaggle-toothed uh, little, little chap. Um, but I, I do think that he, he has the aggression uh, for being possibly descended from pirates. I mean, he is a little piratical, to say the least. He looks like one. I mean, he's not shaggy-haired. He's barely got any hair. He has got the snaggle-tooth, though. Um, and, and, he, and, he, and he does act like some sort of uh, you know dog pirate, basically. I mean, he goes around doing whatever he wants. He sort of waddles around drunk. I think he honestly has maybe got doggy Alzheimer's, because he eats a bowl of food and then forgets about it, and then eats another dog, uh, bowl of dog food. I mean, he is he is slightly he is like the the uh, the dog version, the chien version of uh, Captain Jack Sparrow, without a doubt. I mean, he—he's not. Uh, I don't think he's. Uh, I don't think he's. Uh, I don't think he's into debauchery or any of that. But who knows? I mean, he's been fixed, so there'll be none of that going on. I don't think. Um, but uh, let's hope not with Maggie in her current state. Um, but, uh, but 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 you know, he, he There's something a little bit Captain Hook. He's very aggressive to the other do- to the other dogs. He can be aggressive to d- to guests as well. And, um, you know, he, he, he sort of stumbles around like he's listening to some sort of sea shanty as well. So I think there is Snaggletooth Jack. There's, there is a little bit of, uh, you know, of the old Bluebeard about him, I think, without a doubt. And, um, you know, he, he's, I don't think he's a land lover. I don't think he's a sea lover. I think he, uh, he enjoys his kibble and he does enjoy the old piece of naan bread. I mean, I, I do toss him a little bit of the naan bread, uh, which I know is probably not a good thing, but um, he he likes that. He likes all sort of bread. He likes he likes a good thick-cut marmalade as well. Um, so you know, if he if he's into the thick-cut marmalade, then if he ever sets sail on the high seas with his snaggle-tooth uh, and is uh, in his crow's nest, he's not going to get scurvy because orange uh, orange marmalade, I believe. Prove you know, answer in the postcard if I'm wrong does stop scurvy so you won't be a limey. so i mean occasionally um you see some beautiful pieces of writing i saw this in the london times it's from the nature notebook section and there's something rather magical and mystical about snow i mean i know the uk and scotland uh, uk um england scotland i think parts of ireland they're getting a lot of snow at the moment But uh, and in here in Colorado, we we get not this winter actually, but a lot of snow. But the snowy woods are full of drama and secrets. A forest is starkly beautiful in the snow. We wandered into paths whitened with ice and soft with sweep of downy flakes falling from branches. The woods are lovely, dark and deep. Robert Frost wrote in his poem "Stopping by the Woods on a Snowy Evening," in Stockhill Woods. A conifer plantation near Wells Somerset, our winter woods are milder than the frost New England, let no less full of drama. Crossbills can occasionally be seen using their powerful beaks to feed on pine seeds in the tops of trees. When you enter the mesh of low branches that crowd around, you can hear invisible birds calling from high. The moist air fills the nose with aromas of chilled resin, icy moss and crackling peat. A board directs you to two waymarked routes, safe, wide, and gravelly. We preferred to meander along the crisp moss and ferns, following the steaming noses of our two dogs. This alternative way through the trees had no logic other than to challenge the watery ditches and steep moss mounds interlaced sinuously among thorny thickets. After a while, the views opened out. The misty austerity of Somerset's farmland and its silvery flattened distances—you could edge the woods or turn back inside. I was looking into the brambly thickets for any sign of long-eared owls. It seemed like a good place for a hidden winter roost. These rare nocturnal hunters are usually solitary, but gather in numbers in the cold, preferring pine woods. Perhaps thinking that other owls perched there might be uh, might see something food-wise. I searched the trunks, the signs, telltale white spatters, the droppings, and any small black pellets, undigested remains, ejected while the owl is resting. I found scatterings of these and looked up to see startled of amber eyes staring at me. This time I found none, although my sixth sense was alerted as something owlish. When our smaller dog Nancy ran a little way ahead and scuttled back, ears down, I thought she had bumped into a deer. Indeed, we did see one, a small hind skipping away, flashing a white rump as she went. But as she walked on, I saw something else. White feathers lay all around. The side of the track was speckled with ash gold tufts, ripped from the back of the head of a bird, and small primary feathers are down on the landing ledge, so fine you could hardly feel where they ended. Absolutely beautiful. The snow melts quickly in Somerset and the air is already tinged with the edge of spring. In Britain and Ireland our ancestors celebrated ombolk at the start of February. The original ancient word ombolk means in the belly. All is expectant like the gentle curve of pregnancy. ombolk is thought to refer to used milk in the body of the earth and its creatures as the promise of lambling growth and renewal of things awakening and life force stirring. The old year is dead and new green fuse has been lit. With the returning light comes insatiable need for growth. It really was a lovely article in the Times. Um, I do love the nature section. And as I said, the, uh, the iciness and the mystique of the snow is absolutely uh, fantastic. So a little session of or Trombone now where we look at some of the uh, most uh, egregious headlines of the week. And um, the first up is the lady who styled her hair with Gorilla Glue attempts to remove it. And documents a trip to the emergency room on tiktok so tessica brown admitted on tiktok she decided to use gorilla glue spray adhesive after running out of got to be glued as a preferred brand of hairspray. Um, so many of the commentators were quick to make jokes at brown's expense of the disbelief over a choice of gorilla glue um, and also teasing the, the helmet that she uh, she gave to herself uh, from uh, from using the glue she was went to the emergency room Um, at the bernard parish hospital uh, in louisiana and uh, and apparently instructed to use their sterilized water nail posh remover pads to remove the adhesive Um, but according to the photo brown shared on instagram um, uh, another woman uh, was helping to try to apply the pads to her scalp while brown wiped away the tears as she winced with pain i mean absolutely awful i mean i know some people i mean some people accuse me of using gorilla glue but it never moves my hair never moves But i mean as long as an actual primate gorilla didn't supply the actual glue i mean there could be a sort of whole something about mary situation going on the whole sort of king dong thing going on Um, and i mean that would be an awful lot of glue and that would be awful and a cheeky vet from google maps selfie five years ago caught again in exact in the exact location he was five years ago. A selfie-snapping vet who bagged a photo with the Google Maps surveillance van five years ago has been caught on camera by the van again in the exact same uh, outfit. Student Charlie Tucson was on lunch break. Outside the surgery where he works, he spotted the Google Maps surveillance van in a street back in 2015. He took a funny selfie video with the Google van as he ran up to catch it and enjoy viral fame after ending up and appearing on Google Maps. Hilariously, the exact same event now happened five years later. Uh, Charlie was in another work break in 2020, and then he saw uh, caught sight of his old friend, the Google camera van, yet again. Um, I mean, good for him. He didn't gain any weight during lockdown. Maybe. Um, I mean, the scrub. I mean, a veterinary scrubs could hide all sorts of lumps and bumps. Uh, at least he didn't look like a dog's dinner when he was appearing on the Google camera again. Um, But, I mean, I have noticed before that vets do often have very bad breath, and they should chew on a a greenie, but that obviously wouldn't make any difference uh, to his uh, Google Map selfie. And finally for today, Jamie Lee Curtis put popcorn in her ear instead of an earbud. Uh, Jamie uh, Lee Curtis revealed she accidentally put a piece of popcorn in her ear instead of an earbud. So I'm definitely over the whole isolation thing. She captured a picture in the mishap. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis ruled in a hilarious Instagram post that she accidentally put a piece of popcorn in her ear instead of the wireless headphone. Um, I'm definitely over the whole isolation thing, she said. According to the Nisad actress, she picked up what believed to be an earbud and placed it inside her ear, but was confused when she didn't hear any sound coming out of it. I mean, that's one way of uh, getting noise cancelling, I guess. I hope she doesn't hear popping. Uh, I mean, she might think she has tinnitus or maybe possibly an alien in the air. Uh, next, she'll be putting Kentucky Fried Chicken in her ear, but you certainly don't want a kernel in the lug hole. <coughs> so thank you very much for listening to the podcast today. We're going to finish with a little poem in a second or two. Um, but um, some of the topics that we'll be covering tomorrow, that didn't cover today, uh, the goose problem. We'll be, we'll be looking at that tomorrow. Long johns, wax seals, Why they've fallen out of uh, Why they've fallen out of uh, fashion? Uh, Urinal etiquette as well. Icy eyelashes. I mean, there's so much that we. I mean, to be honest, I I am I'm not going to be sleeping with the cricket tonight. But I'm sure there are many listeners out there who won't be sleeping because of some of these uh, some of these topics tomorrow. We're going to have some more uh, historical Tinder as well. Uh, coming along uh, the way tomorrow mabel will be uh, opening up the anglo antique arc again who knows maybe the creakiness of that will be revealing itself uh, once again but at keep cheese on twitter keep calm and cauliflower cheese on instagram building up the uh, instagram followers definitely Uh, like and subscribe on all the platforms uh, without a doubt and uh, and i'll look forward to uh joining again tomorrow. And we finish today at the aforementioned poem Stopping by the Woods on a Snowy Evening. Whose woods these are, I think I know. His house is in the village, though. He will not see me stopping here To watch his woods fill up with snow. My little horse must think it's queer To stop without a farmhouse near Between the woods and frozen lake The darkest evening of the year. He gives his harmless bells a shake To ask if there's some mistake the only other sound the sweep of the easy wind and downy flake the woods are lovely dark and deep but i have promises to keep and miles to go before i sleep and miles to go before i sleep good night everybody